0: It's good to be in the presence of God, isn't it? And um, and and I'm excited to be here. I'm I'm going to be honest with you, and tell you that I have been pretty anxious about this series and this week. Um, not not because um, I think there's anything wrong with it or anything like that. Actually, because I think it's very important what we're going to be talking about, and and I I just want to make sure um, that that I convey what I need to convey and that God speaks. And so my prayer this morning is that God would would speak to you. Um, and, and so this series we're moving into um, is called Matters of Affection. And, and I just want to set it up and, and, and give you some, um, just the idea of what we're talking about um, really quickly. When we talk about matters of affection, I, we specifically over the next four weeks want to talk about our affections and desires, specifically sexual affections and desires in our relationships and in our lives and how we can live in a way that those glorify God. And so that's what we're all about in this series. My goal is that we will each understand how we can better serve God through our affections, our relationships, and our desires. We're going to look a little deeper into today's kind of more of a, a big picture thing, but 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 we're going to be looking a little bit deeper into these affections that we have and, and really, really look into how those can worship God. Um, I, I really do want to call attention to next week. I know Dale talked about it earlier, but I want you to let, to let you know what's going to happen next week. Um, we have Dr. Todd Bowman. How many of you remember Pastor Graves? Some of you probably have come since he left because that was like twenty. 20 years ago, or maybe 17, 18 years ago, um, Pastor Graves' daughter, Becca, married Todd Bowman. And he is going to be our guest speaker next week. He is a counselor, he is an author, he is a professor, and he is an expert on our sexual intimacies and desires and, and the, way the, the way that addictions Um, You know, affect us and and the way that our relationships are affected by that. So he's going to come next week, and he has a lot more expertise than I do, and I can't wait to hear him speak. Some of us have heard him speak before, and and I think it will be a great thing. And so I want you to invite people next week. I especially think, so what's going to happen next week is is during our connection hour at 930 um, back in Hawks Hall, he is going to be speaking to the parents of teens and children, And he's really specifically going to be talking about the things that we need to know about our children and what they're encountering. And he's going to be specifically talking about how we can help our children know Christ and live for Christ, especially in the realm of the sexualization of our culture. And I believe it will be the books he's written, at least one of the books he's written deals with talking to our children about those things. And so if you have um, friends that have kids. That this is to be a great opportunity to invite them to come. I've been thinking all week that there are people, there are friends of mine that live in my neighborhood. This may be one of the best opportunities I have to bring them to church because I believe this is something that's so important. And if you're a parent or a grandparent or, or of a teen or a child, You want to know what they're dealing with. And so during our connection hour next week, he's gonna be sharing that. Then he's gonna come in and he's actually gonna share the message next week, and he's gonna talk to us about the effects. That, that immorality will have on us. And he's going to talk about living for Christ. And so that's on during the service. And then to follow that up on Sunday evening at 6 o'clock, he's going to come back and just do a question and answer session for anybody that wants to come back and just has questions and just wants to... You know, hear what he thinks and knows about that, and so so next week is going to be great. You're going to get to hear from a great speaker, and hopefully, and I believe that God is going to work um, through His expertise and His knowledge to help us get better with our affections and our relationships. Um, so, if I could sum up this series in just one simple way, there are three things I would share with you this morning um, at the start of this series. Number one. It's that our affections are gifts from God. All right? I want you to understand that. I think it's easy in a sexualized culture, in a culture that that maybe um, perverts our affections and the desires we've been given, it's easy to think that those are bad things. But I want you to understand this morning that our affections and desires are gifts from God. Okay? So number one, our affections and desires are gifts from God. Number two... These gifts are designed for us to find fulfillment in our creator. These gifts from God are designed so that we can find fulfillment in our creator. They're not just gifts that are given so you can do whatever you want with them and and you can use them however. These are given specifically so that we can worship God and know God more. And, And when we honor God with our affections, I believe we will experience God's greatest blessings in our lives. So gifts from God to be used for fulfillment in our creator. And number three, when our affections are misguided, we not only lack fulfillment, but they cause destruction in our lives. This is 100% true. Some of you know people, some of you have experienced this. When our affections are not used the way they're supposed to be used, they're not used to find fulfillment in our Creator. They not only keep us from finding fulfillment, but they cause destruction in our lives. And so we have these gifts from God. That's what we're going to be talking about today. I want to start by showing you something. This is kind of cool. <clears throat> this is a gift I was given once, it's a baseball. Can you see it? It's a baseball. On this baseball, so for a while we lived in Arlington, Texas. Arlington is the home of the Texas Rangers. And and one of the people in our church, um, one of of Pastor Deb's relatives formerly, um, formerly, gave us a gift. He was a dentist, and he actually um, was the dentist for the Texas Rangers baseball team. That's pretty cool, right? How many of you are baseball fans? Okay, some of you are going to know some of the names that are on this ball. This is from the 1989 Texas Rangers. I'll just share the highlights. There's one name, it's my favorite name on this ball, Nolan Ryan. Nolan Ryan, one of the greatest pitchers of all time. His name is on this ball, his signature, Nolan Ryan. Um, Others that are on this ball, Jamie Moyer. He was a pitcher in baseball for a long time, very successful. Um, Julio Franco, how many of you know who Julio Franco is? He used to stand really funny at the plate and he played until he was like 43 years old or something like that. Julio Franco's name is on this ball. Uh, Let's see here, Um, Kenny Rogers, not the singer, I don't think. Um, Then there's this other gentleman whose name is on this ball, you might know him, and I, I honestly forgot that he played for the Rangers, but his name is Sammy Sosa, one of the greatest home run hitters in the history of the game of baseball, Sammy Sosa. A guy named Bobby Witt, who was a pretty good baseball player. And then a guy who was a famous coach and and player, Bobby Valentine. And and so this is a pretty nice gift, isn't it? For a kid who was in second, third, fourth grade, somewhere in there, to get this gift, this baseball, was an incredible gift. It's got all of these great signatures. I want you to understand that, that this is amazing but God gives us gifts far better than a baseball with a bunch of great baseball players' signatures on it. And I want us to understand, I want us to understand the importance of our affections that they are a great, wonderful gift from God. A gift, I mean, something that we should understand is important and great. I'm going to put this away, and by the way, I'm I'm watching this after service. Don't you dare. Don't you dare try to take it from me. Um, and so, so let me, you know, move on now. Through this series, we're going to be looking at 1 Corinthians um, chapter 6 and 7. It's Paul's letter to the, to the church um, of Corinth. And, and I want us to understand a little bit more about this letter and about the church in Corinth and the, the city of Corinth. I want us to understand more because I really believe that the context of this letter that Paul was writing into is very applicable for us today. That I really believe that as we look at Corinth you may think, hey, that reminds me of where we live now. So let's look at it. It was was rebuilt by Julius Caesar in 146 B.C. And it was populated by colonists from all over the Mediterranean basin, including the Jews that were exiled from Rome. And so, so Corinth... What was a city that was a strong, metropolitan city, and it was filled with people from all over. Because of its, because of its trade, um, its location, and the trade that went through it, people came from all over to live in Corinth. And there were people from all different countries and all different belief systems, and, and we kind of had a melting pot. Does that sound familiar? We live in, in a world, in a community, in a country, in a city that's very diverse, we live in a city that's that's well populated, that there's a lot of business going on. In fact, just look outside the doors of the church and there's buildings going up everywhere because there's commerce and trade and healthcare care and all these things. And, and so we're surrounded by kind of a melting pot of culture, not just from people from different areas, but people with different beliefs, people with different, you know, ex- experiences. And, and so that's what... Corinth was. It was a city that was just full of people from all different walks of life. Corinth was infamous. This is one that that you may not, I'm going to make this connection, but Corinth was was infamous for having the temple of Aphrodite, the the small g-god Aphrodite. And at that temple, they had prostitution and they had all of these, all of these immoral things that were happening at, at, at that temple. And it was known as kind of this immoral place, this place where, where anything goes, where people came to, to worship Aphrodite by living sexually free. And there was, there were, it said at one point there was as many as a thousand people, a thousand people prostitutes at that t- temple. And so you can see that this place is diverse and it's different and there's a lot of, of differing beliefs there. And, and you may be sitting there thinking, that's not us. We don't, we don't have a temple like that. We don't have a, a temple where there's all sorts. Of we just had the Super Bowl last week. Did you know that the Super Bowl, at least as of last year, is the number one time and place where um, human sexual slavery happens? Did you know during the Super Bowl, our kind of big event of the year, our Mecca, that, that there, is, there is human trafficking happening more than anywhere else, and at any other time, it's happening during that Super Bowl? Does that sound a little bit like the Temple of Aphrodite? People coming to worship something other than God and, and living outside of, of what we understand to be right? And, and so, so Paul writes a letter to the church of Corinth... And, and he writes it in the midst of they, they exist in this community that's diverse and different. And, and honestly, a community that didn't follow the rules and the laws of God and, and did some things that were just wrong. And so Paul writes the letter to the church in Corinth. And the purpose of his letter is to call them to holiness. Holiness. To call them to Christ. To call them to live differently than the society and the culture that they were in. I want you to understand today. We're not that much different than Corinth. Our church is not that much different than the church of Corinth. And so these words are absolutely true for us today. We are called to be holy people of God. To live the right way, live the way that God intended us to live. Not the way we see around us in society. And so we're going to jump into chapter 6. And and honestly, at the beginning of chapter 6, what Paul is really talking about is lawsuits among believers. Basically, the church people couldn't get along. That's not us, right? I thought there would be a lot more laughter than that. That's not us, right? I mean, like, we get along, right? We're all best friends. You never have anything against anyone else. You guys, uh, come on, you guys are asleep or something. (laughs) Uh, And so, so they weren't getting along, even to the point that they were suing each other in the public courts over disputes that they had. And so in chapter six, Paul is writing in the midst of that, he's talking about that thing, and he's saying, you guys are missing it. You're not living the way you're supposed to live. And that's not exactly what I'm wanting to talk to you about. We're talking about affections today. But this is the baseline of what we're talking about, that Paul is is writing a letter to this church in Corinth that has stopped living in Christ-likeness and has been influenced by the culture around them to think that their life and their desires and their affections and their activities and their possessions were all about them. That, That they should do whatever they want and whatever is best for them, in that culture. And the church was influenced. And Paul says, no, you are called to something different. So I'm going to pick it up, 1 Corinthians 6, 7 through 11. We'll read this together, or I'll read it to you. The very fact that you have lawsuits among you means you have been completely defeated already. Why not rather be wronged? Why not rather be cheated? Instead, you yourselves cheat and do wrong, and you do this to your brothers and sisters. And then he changes gears here, and he says, Or do you not know that wrongdoers will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who have sex with men, nor thieves, nor the greedy nor drunkards, nor slanderers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. Listen to this. And that is what some of you were. But you were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. That's good stuff right there. Paul's writing into the church of Corinth that has compromised its beliefs because it's been influenced by a culture around it that believes far differently than them. And, he, and he's talking about lawsuits, but really what he's talking about is the fact that we are called to live differently. We are called to a different standard. We are called to glorify God and live morally and ethically the way that God tells us to live. And he says, don't be deceived. You can't live that way and inherit the kingdom of God. It doesn't work that way. Let's look a little bit deeper into this. In in verses 7 and 8, it's it's talking about these lawsuits. Basically, the Corinthian church had, had stopped loving each other the way that they were called to, and they were more concerned with taking advantage of each other. They were more concerned with their rights. They were more concerned with their possessions. They were more concerned with winning and getting their way than they were concerned with glorifying God. And Paul says, that's not it. Those aren't the things that matter. In fact, Paul Paul is very clear about this. He says, you are better off to be wronged. You are better off to be cheated. You are better off to lose the things you're worried about than to not be like Christ. You are called to be Christ-like, and if you will live like Christ, it doesn't matter if you're cheated, it doesn't matter if you're wronged, you're better off having Christ and having the kingdom than compromising and living elsewhere. And and so he says, think about that, Christ-likeness is better than our rights, our, this is our culture, Our culture tells us that we have rights, that, that, hey, if if you have a desire, that's your desire. Do with it what you want. It's, It's your body. It's your mind. It's your house. It's your possessions. Do whatever you want with them. It's yours. That's not true. It's God's. These are gifts from God. And when we have gifts from God, we are called to live them, to live in accordance with God's holy character. And so Christ-likeness is more important than getting our way. Sometimes in the church, I'm just, I'm just going to put it out there. Sometimes in the church, we're more concerned with getting our way than we are with honoring God. Sometimes in the church, we're more concerned with our rights, with who I am, with what I've earned, than honoring God. It's not just a church thing. It's the world around us, but, but we get caught up in it sometimes. And Paul says, if, if that's you you're missing it. You are called to something bigger and better. In verse 8, he points out the wrong in their actions, and he gives this list in verse 9. And basically what he does is he says, listen, you not loving each other, you attacking each other in the courts, you you going after each other and, and being more concerned with yourselves than honoring God, it's the same as this list of things. You are doing wrong. You are not living for God. And he says, Don't you get it? Don't you know? Wrongdoers will not inherit the kingdom of God. So here's the thing. We've got to talk about some hard truths today. And that's that wrongdoers will not inherit the kingdom of God. If we are not living according to the standards and purposes that God calls us to, we will not experience and inherit God's kingdom. That's, please hear me on that. And so he says, don't be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, the idolaters, the adulterers, nor men who have sex with men, nor the thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanderers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. All of those things he mentioned would have been acceptable in the culture. All of those things the culture wouldn't bat an eye over. But he says, those are not acceptable to God. This is Once again, this is where we live. You you can go out of the walls of this church and you can live and and use your affections any way you want. And guess what? Our culture is probably going to accept you and think you're fine. And you can step on people and take advantage of people and our culture is going to be fine with it. But God calls us to something different. And so he says, you have been deceived You can't live that lifestyle and still honor God. It doesn't work that way. So I want to look at a few of these things. I specifically want to look at the first four things mentioned there because those are the ones that really deal with our affections. It's not that there are any more important or worse than the rest of the list. I want us to understand that today. That's a mistake we make in the church sometimes as we think that certain sins are worse than others. That's not the case. But for the purposes of this series, we're going to look at the first part of that list, the first four things. And I want to handle this carefully because I understand that there's probably a lot of you in here today that have loved ones that are dealing with these issues. Not just that, I'm pretty sure there are probably people in here today that are dealing with these issues that Paul points out. And so I want you to hear my heart. I want you to hear Paul's heart. I want you to hear God's heart on this issue. I don't want you to think that we're beating you up or we're saying you're terrible. I want you to understand that that we want you to have life to the fullest, and so we're gonna look at those four things it's pretty important, isn't it, our affections? When you think about that Paul gave a list of nine things, and four of them deal with our sexuality, with our affections and desires. That's, do you get the point that this is kind of a big deal? That's why we're talking about this, because I believe this is important. And so we're going to talk about those things. First off, it says that the sexually immoral. Now, that's kind of a broad term, but but. How I would define that is using our sexual desires and our affections in cheap and unwholesome ways. Using them for what they should not be used for. Taking it and taking our sexuality, taking our affections and cheapening them and using them for our own desires and our own pleasure and our own glory. That would be sexual immorality. And our culture has really cheapened sex, hasn't it? just watch tv just look on billboards just our culture has cheapened our sexual desires as something that are not a gift from god but something that's just can be thrown around can be used however we want our culture does not view sexual desire and our affections as a holy gift from god i was thinking about this baseball this is a wonderful gift one of my favorite possessions <laughs> one of my favorite possessions I remember one time um, we got a ball kind of like this, it didn't have as many great signatures on it, but, but it had one baseball player's signature and we got it and, and you know we thought, that's cool. It actually had Tony the Tiger from the, from the cereal on it and then on the other side it had an autograph of a baseball player. And you know what we did? We took it out back in the yard and we started playing baseball with it. And do you know what happened to those signatures and the value of that ball? It went away. It it was a special gift that we treated cheaply. We treated it like any other baseball and we used it. And can you imagine, do you know what I would do to you if you took this out and started throwing it around? (laughs) I'd forgive you eventually. Our affections are a gift from God, a special gift from God. And they are not to be used cheaply. And if you were to take this baseball out and you were to start throwing it around, this baseball is probably worth something, probably worth a lot. If you would take it out and start throwing it around in the dirt and scuffing it up, that's not what this is meant for, what this gift is meant for. And unfortunately, when we live sexually immorally, when, when, when we cheapen sexuality and we use our desires and our affections just for our own glory, and, and we, we use them any way we want and we don't treat them as a special gift from God, we're ruining them. We're cheapening them. They're not the gift that, that they were meant to be. And so understand that your affections are a gift from God to be used for the glory of God. And any use elsewhere cheapens it and takes away its value and ruins it. So number one, the, the sexually immoral. Our desires, our affections, our actions are anything but cheap. But if we live that way, we lose it. Number two, idolaters. Now, this was huge in that day. He's, he's writing to the church in Corinth that deals with idolatry. There's a, a temple and a goddess that, they, that they, are, they are worshiping through idolatry. Idolatry is when we take something that is not God and we make it God. And let's just be really honest today and say that we sometimes allow our affections and our desires and sexuality and sex to become a god for us, just like the Corinthians did. There are people, both married and unmarried, Christian and not Christian, who allow sexuality and desires and and our affections to become the God of our lives. That's not what they were meant for. They are a gift from God to point to God, not to draw us away from God. And so if we start to think, if I start to think that this gift is the most important thing in my life and everything in my life revolves around this gift, all of a sudden this gift becomes a God, and it takes the place of the one true God. That's not what this is about. This is a gift to point us, to draw us closer to God. And so the sexually immoral, the idolaters... And then we move on, and it goes on, and it says the adulterers. The truth is that that our affections and our sexuality and sex are meant to be, they're designed to be used within a covenant relationship of marriage, not outside of it. And if we commit adultery by cheapening our desires, cheapening our affections to be used in places they shouldn't be used, we're missing it. We are called to live out our affections in the context of God-ordained relationships. Our, sex is meant for marriage. And anything outside of that is adultery. And it's not God's way. And then the fourth thing, and this is probably the most touchy thing um, in our society right now is homosexuality. It says, men having sex with men. God's design for sexuality, for our relationships, for our affections, is that a man and a woman would come together in marriage and and live that out, not elsewhere. Scripture is very clear over and over again That God's design for sex and, and sexual relationships is not to be had with the same gender, the same sex. God calls us to a relational marriage that is a covenant with God between a man and a woman. And Paul says, if you're living elsewhere, if you're living in a different way, you're missing it. You're not living the way God called you to live. And so I want you to understand this is just four things. But these are huge things for us. And, and once again, these are not worse than other sins. He lists other things, stealing, cheating. You know what one of the biggest sins we struggle with in the church is? What the, what the people in Corinth were. We don't love each other. We don't forgive each other. But these are things, our affections and desires are things that God has given us, a special gift that are to be used for God's purposes, not our own. And if we aren't living that way, we are deceived, and we will not inherit the kingdom of God. Our culture today would tell you that that these behaviors are okay. Our culture would tell you that if you have a desire, well, that's your desire, and you were meant to have it, so go live that way. That is not true. It is not okay to live by every desire, every thing that you think, every thing that you feel. There is wrong and there is right. And God desires that we live our affections in relation to God. And so our world tells us it's okay If we have desires, to live them out however we see fit. But the truth is, desires are always to be weighed in the context of God's holy character. Listen to me. Desires are always to be weighed in the context of God's holy character. If you have a desire and it is not what God wants for you, you should not act on it. You should not live it out. And so desires are always to be weighed in the context of God's character. And so we have this list of, of ways that we shouldn't live. We have this list of affections and the ways that we can use them not to glorify God. But I don't want us to miss the point this morning. The point is not that there is a list and you have to live by this list. And if you don't live by this list, then shame on you. God's going to smack you on the hand. You missed it. This isn't about legalism. Paul is not calling us to a strict set of rules to a legalism, but to a lifestyle of love that honors God. Anything short of honoring God with our life and our affections runs contrary to the kingdom of God. Paul's purpose in this section is to remind the Corinthians that God has given them great gifts, and those gifts are to be used to honor God. And so, this isn't legalism. This isn't, hey, you blew it in this way, and you're out. That's not what this is. We are called to a lifestyle of loving and serving God. And so, our affections are a gift to be used to serve God and, and here 's another thing: we cannot inherit the kingdom of God if we are living contrary to its principles. We cannot inherit the kingdom of God if we are living contrary to its principles. Think about this this isn 't just a rules thing, this is a lifestyle thing, and if we are living immorally, if we are using those desires for our own benefit, if we are living outside of god 's plan, we can 't inherit god 's kingdom and Think about the lunacy of this. If you want something to happen, if we desire God's kingdom, if we want the peace and the love and the hope and the trust that comes from God's kingdom, but we're living in a way that doesn't promote peace, love, hope, and trust, we can't inherit the kingdom. Just this week, I'm going to wake you up. I know you guys are asleep. Wake up. Come on. Just this week, there was an article on ESPN, and you guys know I'm a sports guy, And it said that the Lakers president wants the Lakers to be like the Patriots. Okay, the Patriots. The Patriots that just won their, what, sixth Super Bowl? The Lakers president, or GM, wants the Lakers to be like the Patriots. But here's the thing. It's really easy to say, I want to be like the Patriots. But there's a reason the Patriots are the Patriots. It's because they practice a certain way. It's because they have discipline. It's because they cheat. Good. I got you now. We're awake. Okay, good. It's, <laughs> sorry if you're a Patriots fan. No, I, really, I'm sorry if you're a Patriots fan. That's sad. Um, but if you want to be like the Patriots, you have to practice. You have to, you have to live like the Patriots. And for me to say, hey, I want to be like that pastor, but I'm living in a way that's different, that's ridiculous. We all want to be a part of a church that's holy, that's like Christ that loves others, that's trustworthy. None of us want to walk into a church where we feel betrayed or or we feel like people don't care about us. But if we're not living that way, we're not going to have a church that's like that because God's calling is for us to live a holy life. And if we're not living a holy life, His church will be filled with unholiness. Am I excited enough for you? We have to live that way. All of us want a marriage or a relationship, or friendships that are based on trust, that are based on love. We want friends that are there for us. We want friends that help us make the right decisions. But you know what? If we aren't there for them, if we aren't trustworthy, if we aren't helping them make the right decisions, we're never going to have those relationships. If you want the kingdom of God, you have to live for the kingdom of God. Do not be deceived. You can't live immorally and inherit God's kingdom. It doesn't work. We have to live by the standard of love and purity that God designed for us. And so I know that I've, I've been pretty excited today, and I know that I've shared, you know, some hard things. I know that we talked about some things that are very contrary to culture, and I know that some of those things could possibly step on your toes a little bit. And there may be some of you there that are thinking about your loved ones or thinking about the mistakes that you've made. And you're thinking, I've blown it. I'm a terrible person. God's out to get me today. I knew I shouldn't have showed up to church today. I knew God was after me. That's not what this is about. That absolutely is not what this is about. In fact, I want you to understand that Paul is writing this letter to the church in Corinth not to beat them up but to call them to something better. Paul was a pastor to these people. And Paul's heart was not to beat them up for the wrongs they've done, but to call them to a life that's better, to call them to enjoy the gifts that God has given them the way that they were intended to. Paul loved them. And Paul is saying there's a better way. And so this morning, I just want to say this. If that list of things... The, the affection ones, or the others, if that describes you and the way that you've been living, if that describes loved ones of yours, if that describes friends of yours, I want you to understand that there's good news. And that's that there's a God that loves you, there's a God that has grace for you, and there is a God that came, Jesus came, to die on a cross so that we could be forgiven of our immoral behaviors. And so Paul ends this section not by beating them down and saying it's over for you, but he ends it um, in in verse, uh, I turned the wrong page, In, in verse, I believe it's 10, and he says this, or in verse 11, he says, that is what some of you were, but you were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I've got good news for you today. Even if you have lived your whole life, and your whole life has looked like that list of don'ts, even if your whole life has lived contrary to the kingdom of God and God's principles, there is a God today that loves you so much that he sent his son so that you could be washed clean. That's good news today. I didn't come to beat you down. I didn't come to give you a list of all the ways you're terrible. I came to tell you there's a God that loves you and wants better for you. That God wants our church to be holy. That God wants others, the community around us that's messed up, to see a pure love in us. To see God in us. We are washed. We are sanctified. We are justified in Christ. So we are washed That means the sins of your past, if you will say, God, forgive me for those sins, the the death of Jesus on the cross paid for those sins, and you are washed of them. You don't have to worry about them. It's over. It's done. You can live new today. Number two, you have been sanctified. This one's important. Sanctified, not not old school Nazarene sanctified, but sanctified as in called apart or set apart. You have been set apart for God's purposes. The fact that you are here today is not a coincidence, but God has called you to a relationship and to a way of life that's different. And so we are washed, our sins are forgiven, and we're set apart for God's purposes. And number three, we've been justified. We've been given a new life. It's not just that God said, You're not guilty, go ahead and go on. It's that God has called us, that we are right with God, and we have been brought into a holy relationship where we are to live differently. We are called to be different. And so here we are. Each one of you represents affections, each one of you represents desires each one of you represents a history, each one of you represents a past. And if your past is anything like mine, that list of wrongs probably has shown up plenty in the past. We're all here together, and each one of us represents a past. And unfortunately... The world around us is probably not going to change tomorrow to teach us more of God's principles. That's probably not going to happen. Tomorrow, the world's probably not going to shape up and teach us how to live like God. And so, unfortunately, when you walk out of these doors, you're going to be bombarded with things that teach you otherwise than what God says in Scripture. But today, I want you to understand not to be deceived. Do not be deceived. What you're seeing out there does not glorify God. It does not bring you into that relationship, into the kingdom of God. Don't be deceived. As your pastor, I want you to know where my heart is. My heart is that you will live in the glory of God. And even better than that, it's not even about me. God's desire for you is that you will experience God's blessing and God's glory in the gifts of your affections in ways that will give you life to the fullest and will glorify the Creator God. And so today as we come together, this is important. And the band is going to come up now and we're going to sing a final song. Uh, but, But as we start this series, I know we're one message in now, almost one message in, but as we start this series, I want to call you to a better life. I want to call you to better affections. I want to call you to better relationships. And so this morning, we're going to sing one song that says, come as you are. And there may be some of you here today that are sitting with a spouse. And you want to glorify God in your relationship. And maybe there's a past that's not so bright, that's not so Christ-like. Today, I want to invite you, whether that's the case or whether you've been living for God for a while, I want to invite you to come and to pray that God will tune your affections, that God will tune your relationships to Him. And there are some of you here this morning that, that aren't in a marital relationship. Maybe you're single, maybe you've been single for a while. You still have desires, you still have affections. You st- in fact, I think you probably have just as much, if not more, temptation than others. Today, maybe you wanna come forward and you wanna say, God, I wanna serve you with my affections. But maybe there's some of us today that have a past that hasn't glorified God. Maybe there's some of us today that would say, this week I lived in a way that was contrary to kingdom principles, and I wasn't tuning my affections to God. If that's you, now is the time to come and to reach out to the Father and to seek forgiveness, and to seek God's will for your life. I want to call you to come pray, and I talked earlier about the fact that each one of you represents a past, but I've got more good news today. Each of you not only represents a past, but you represent a future, and your past does not dictate your future. And just because you lived a way that doesn't inherit the kingdom of God doesn't mean you can't live in a way that will inherit the kingdom of God and bring the kingdom of God here and now. And so stand with me. And today if you would say, I want my future to glorify God. If you want to come pray and you want to seek forgiveness. If you want to come and say, God, I want you to speak to me over these next few weeks. I want my affections to be tuned to you. Come. The altars are open.